Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a sideline sleuth. Today we're going to talk about a young woman named Hannah Graham, who went missing and was later discovered to have been murdered. She was a British American student, so she was born in England, but she moved to the United States with her family when she was like five. And at the time that this all happened, she was a student at the University of Virginia. This isn't our first Virginia story, but it has been a while. Do you remember which one was from Virginia? Probably not because it was so long ago. I can't. Episode 10, we told the story of an unsolved murder of a Norfolk, Virginia police officer named Victor Decker. I remember Victor. So this is episode. Yeah, he was a squirrely one. This is our 68th episode, so it's been a long time. So... I take that back. We didn't dislike Victor. He was just a savage. Yeah, he was just, his extracurricular activities. He was with the ladies, and that was hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard to condone. Oh, it's 13. 13, right? He had like 13 mistresses. I just remember the texts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He said, what? Yeah. And his wife didn't know he was cheating on her till after he was dead. It was such a hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Hannah's story takes place in September of 2014. She was 18 years old and described as being 5 feet 11 inches tall with a skinny build, light brown hair, blue eyes, and freckles. So here's what we know about Hannah. Hannah's friends last heard from her via text message around 1.20 in the morning on September 13th, 2014. She told her friends that she was on her way to a party, but that she was lost. She had already been to at least one other party earlier in the night. The last confirmed sighting of her is at Tempo Restaurant in Charlottesville, which is where the university is located. According to Google, that restaurant is permanently closed. Um, At first I thought it was this whole other restaurant that was like 100 miles away and I was really confused about Mm -hmm. where this story was going, but it was just a few miles away from like her normal hangout spots. So the last point of contact was early in the morning on September 13th. Five weeks later, her remains were found on an abandoned property in Albemarle, that's what we said? Okay, that's what Google says, y'all. County in Virginia, which is the same county that her school was in. So she wasn't found like super far away. She was actually only like three or four miles away from a hayfield where the body of another missing college student was found in 2010 named Morgan Harrington. And we'll talk about her later in the episode. But like Hannah, Morgan also vanished after being out late at night in Charlottesville. So when I decided to research this, I was like, it's a soft case, but some people like that, but I like a little bit more mystery. And then they were like, her crime getting solved solves other crimes. And I was like, and I'm back interested. (laughs) My face is like, there's so many questions in my eyes. So now we have two college females who went missing after being out at night in Charlottesville, found in the same general areas, what they're saying, like three to four miles apart from each other, but both like this rural property mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about Hannah's last known whereabouts. At 9.33 p.m., she leaves her apartment complex. We know this precise time from surveillance footage. At 10.48, she was drinking at a place called The Fig with some friends. She leaves on foot 
alone. Texts she sent to friends around this time make it seem like she is already very intoxicated. So it's 1048. She was last seen by a group of friends at an apartment complex somewhere between 1130 and 11.50 on September 12th. So I think there were two parties like across the hall from each other. She went to both of those. She's party hopping. Yeah. So as you know, she was seen at the Tempo restaurant in Charlottesville. So she went her house, the fig, two parties, somewhere Tempo in there, then no more Hannah. So witnesses say that they saw her with a 32-year-old man named Jesse Leroy Matthew Jr., who went by the name LJ. A lot of names. So immediately suspicious. He, that's true. Yes. If you guys haven't listened to our first episode, which I don't blame you because it's not that good, <laughs> we talk about how serial killers always have multiple names. Yeah. So he would be Jesse Leroy Matthew Jr. Somebody did it twice and I don't yeah. know why. But... <laughs> <laughs> so LJ. One witness said that Hannah appeared to be intoxicated and LJ had his arms around her. Another witness saw them in the parking lot at Tempo. Well... He said that he saw Hannah with a man who, quote, did not look friendly, and that he saw them standing near an orange car. Hannah said to the man, quote, I'm not getting in that car with you, end quote. That orange vehicle was later identified as being LJ's 1998 Chrysler Sebring. So an orange car? Mm-hmm. That's pretty distinct. And not attractive. Yeah. Sorry well, if you drive an orange saw- car. A uh, woman with a and a man with his arms around a woman. Yeah, she was drunk, and they, he was like holding her up. I guess. Okay, I thought it was like hugging. Oh no no. Or maybe it was like an aggressive type of. I think I don't it know was what kind of embrace this is. I need. Yeah, I think he was holding her up. Okay. But so she's that drunk. We know where she's yeah. like mentally and physically at. So. But still, sober enough or to say that to say no. yeah, I'm not getting my car with you. So. Investigators obtained surveillance footage from several businesses where Hannah was last known to be in an effort to track her movements that night. McGrady's Irish Pub in Charlottesville caught her on their patio surveillance camera around 12.45 in the morning. Two minutes later, she walks back into the frame of the camera, crosses in front of McGrady's again, doesn't go inside, and then walks back out of the camera's view in the direction that she first came from. Okay. So, 9.30 leaves her house. By 11.50, she's into a couple parties. But at one something in the morning she's at tempo and the last contact her friends have with her is 120. okay so just recap so i need recaps thank you no no problem around 12 55 she's picked up on some surveillance footage from a shell gas station and she's running in the video <gasps> but it doesn't show anybody behind her so definitely not anybody chasing her like that never crosses the frame she then makes her way to the downtown mall which is a shopping and dining entertainment area, but like pretty historic looking buildings and paved sidewalks. It's like South Lake Town Square, if you live in DFW and you're familiar with that. Have you never been shopping over there? Sorry, I don't shop that much. And that's like way west of us. Yeah, yeah. But I went out there to like work out at some Zumba classes when I first moved. It sounds so very South Lake. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So and it's like a pedestrian outdoor mall. Okay. So. I would imagine not open at this time. Like bars and restaurants. There was like 120 restaurants there. So at midnight, they were probably like winding down for the evening. So she's seen on running. Well, before she gets there, she was running. She ran to get there, I guess, past that shell gas station. Okay. 
She's seen on surveillance footage at two places, an Italian restaurant at 106, and these are outside of them, and a jewelry store at 108. In the 108 frame, a man is seen standing like right next to her. It's hard to tell in the clip I watched if he was with her or if he was just really near her, but there's a man with her in the 108 clip. Very sinister. Tempo, where witnesses placed her and LJ Matthew earlier in the night, is in that downtown mall area. It all makes sense now. So it's only like a tenth of a mile from the jewelry store that they picked her up at on film at 108. So really close. A witness called police's Hanagram tip line and said that she and her friend were, quote, walking along the Charlottesville downtown mall about 1 a.m. on September 13th when a man, who police now say is Matthew, tried to high-five her. The woman ignored Matthew, but watched as he approached another woman who was walking alone and put his arm around her. Oh. Police now say surveillance videos shows the woman was Hannah Graham, end quote. <gasps> so she then apparently says to her friend, quote, he doesn't know her. Like, have you ever witnessed that in public where I'm like, yes. I'm not sure if they know each other and you have to like watch the girl and make sure she's safe? Yes, yes. This is actually a thing we should talk about. I feel like yeah. if you see somebody doing some creepy stuff like this, yeah. There are things that we can do as women. Well, one of them is they say, walk up to the person and act like you know them because yeah. it'll scare the other person away. So, like, if I saw a man walking behind you and I don't know you, I'd be like, oh, my God, hi, how are you? It's and then, like, see you, how's your mom? And then, like, whisper in your ear, like, hey, somebody's following you. Just, like, go with it. And then they're like, oh, my God, girl, yeah. So that's what these girls did not do. Not that they're to blame. But, like, let's not do that again. Right. I mean, this is just like a proactive yeah, thing. Yeah, just in general. See people creeping. It's just make sure, yeah, if somebody looks like they're with somebody they don't know or if somebody's following them or they approach them and you like. Or especially if you see a woman who looks intoxicated. It's yeah, for sure. You definitely have alone, to do that for them. And there's a guy who just creeped on you approaching her. Yeah, I saw this story online. Just like, hey, girl, you trail behind. Let's yeah. go to the, you Ca- know, Come on, catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's exactly in the future. We need to just do that to protect each other. But Yeah, but nobody was in the wrong here. I'm no. So the pair follows LJ and Hannah into Tempo Restaurant and sits down next to them. She noticed that Hannah had a pink phone in her back pocket. The man, LJ, bought and paid for drinks with a debit card. And remember, Hannah is 18, so she's not old enough to have even been drinking legally. The official statement from Tempo is that Hannah was never seen inside the restaurant by staff or served, but there are people who say they saw her in there. They just, the employees had no interaction with her. So it's not like they were serving her alcohol. Receipts later showed that LJ paid $15.30 at Tempo that night at the, the same time Hannah is on the surveillance. So we, it's not like somebody they're mistaking for him. His bank transactions put him there at that time. The girl says that they get up to leave and she remembers feeling uncomfortable for Hannah and saying to her friend that she thought LJ was going to F her up. <gasps> so they got like a date rapey vibe from it, I guess. But yeah, but they were like to themselves or like, he doesn't know her. I'm worried about her. Like something's going on. At 118, surveillance footage from outside Red Pump Kitchen shows Hannah and LJ walking. His arm is under her arm, helping her walk. Oh my gosh. So that's 118. At 120, she texts her friends saying that she was lost between one report said 9th and 14th Street, and another one had like 4th and something else. But authorities say it was like a 14 mile walk to where she said she was lost at from that McGrady's Irish pub she was at at like 1245. They said it's not 
it's like a substantial walk for a regular person. It would be even harder for somebody who was like wasted, super yeah, wasted. So police think she was actually not in the area she said she was when she was lost, but they're not sure like if that was an autocorrect, if she just didn't know where she was, or if somebody was intentionally sending the wrong area. So they just don't know. But police said, quote, one of the entries suggested to me that she wasn't familiar with where she was, but I didn't get the sense that she was afraid, end quote. So just like, I'm lost, I can't find her. But it wasn't like, oh my God, help me. So. People just feel so sad that she's caught on so much surveillance. Yeah. So many people are Somebody should have been like, help that drunk girl. Gosh. Like, I've been, students, no, I haven't. But I've been very (laughs) intoxicated in public, but I've never been alone. Yeah, I feel like I've always just at least been fortunate to be out with people who don't let me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all of this was taking place in the early morning hours of Saturday, September 13th now. But... People didn't realize Hannah was missing until Sunday afternoon. Her mom asked her son, so Hannah's brother, if he'd talk to her, and he hadn't. So he started to reach out to Hannah's friends. People began piecing together when they talked to her last and realized that something was up. She lived in an off-campus building with three roommates, but they all had separate bedrooms, so they weren't always aware of when each person came and went from the apartment. Sure. So she like went out on the 12th, we know she was alive in the early morning hours of the 13th, but it wasn't until late on the 14th that anything was reported, which is easy to understand how that could happen. Of course. So let's talk about that guy now, the one who was last seen with Hannah, LJ Matthew. He's got a backstory. So while he was in college, so remember he's 32 when Hannah was killed, but when- oh, such a big age difference. Yeah. He's just creeping. Facts. So when he was in college, this is more than a decade before Hannah, he was accused twice of sexual assault. (gasps) The first one was at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, and the other was just 11 months later at Christopher Newport University in Newport News. He targets college girls. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Well, there's... not always, so... Maybe he was in college at the time. He was, yeah. Okay. So with both... Doesn't make it like a not a weird pattern. Definitely still a weird pattern. With both instances, he withdrew from the school after the allegation. LJ withdrew from Liberty in the middle of the fall semester, his junior year. It was like October. And reports say he withdrew just hours after a sexual assault came to light. He enrolled at the other school three months later, so January. But by September of 2003, another student accused him of sexual assault on campus. And a month later, he left that school too. Both of these were investigated by police, but criminal charges were never brought against him in either one because prosecutors dropped the cases when the victims declined to press charges. Mm. So he's already not convicted, but been accused now of rape twice. Right, and still just not necessarily getting help or being... Or held accountable, Yeah. yeah. A friend of the Matthew family, who knew LJ like half of his life, said that he was a, quote, cool individual around guys, but a bit too touchy-feely with the ladies, end quote. He went on to say, quote, he doesn't mean to be creepy. He's just a little off, just a little awkward. If he gets around women, I've never seen it not be awkward, 
end quote. Help your friend out. Yeah, something. I feel like, girls, we help each other out. Yeah. We're like, your makeup, let me fix it. You're doing too much over or, there, sir. Like, don't touch yeah. the, I don't know, something. If you can articulate so clearly what the problem is, I feel like you should be able to tell your friend. Yeah. Men, check your friends more. When LJ was in college, he played football. And a guy he played with said that, quote, he was kind of a childlike nature, like Lenny from Of Mice and Men, but oh. not in a bad way, end quote. I didn't so, think Lenny was bad. I didn't either, but like, if you're not familiar with the story, Lenny is this really sweet guy with an intellectual disability. So, I, he's saying he reminded him of a mentally handicapped person, but didn't say that he was mentally handicapped? Other okay. people called him a gentle giant, which I think is probably what that guy was trying to go for. Okay. Like, he looked big and scary, but he was actually like a softy, yeah. which is not true if you're raping two girls. Yeah, but, maybe, I don't know, maybe this at least like a gentle guy doesn't know their strength and or power, yeah. and it gets infatuated with delicate little yeah. ladies, and then just uses power unknowingly. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of excuses. There's a lot of rapists. excuses, yeah, which is why I was like, I don't know, he's, he, he's not meaning to insult him, but it's kind of like making an excuse for him by saying, oh, he's like Lenny, like... Oh. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Lenny he doesn't know what he's doing. From literature, but yeah, lovely no. character from literature, but this but guy, no. no, yeah. June fourth of two thousand nine, LJ assaulted a Charlottesville attorney named Eric Wilk. Eric said that he was driving. He had just pulled out of the parking lot at the convenience store when he heard a lot of honking behind him. He didn't know what that was about, so he just like sped up and turned left. But the other car pursued him, honking and shouting out of his window. When Eric finally pulled over, the driver of that car confronted him. It was LJ Matthew. He boxed Eric's car in with his and then accused him of cutting him off. Eric asked him to move, but LJ refused, so he said he was going to call the police. And that's when LJ reached through Eric's window and grabbed his phone out of his hand. When Eric attempted to get it back, LJ punched him in the face twice, knocking his glasses off and busting his lip, requiring him to get stitches. This don't sound like a gentle giant to mm-hmm, me. At all. Those this are just like excuses. a person who has aggression issues. Clearly. So, but once LJ calmed down, according to Eric, he seemed really remorseful. He gave him back his phone, helped him find his glasses, and then drove him to the emergency room. That is nice, but... I mean, something still preceded it. That's yeah. just like a guy who his late. girlfriend yeah. and was like, here's some flowers. I'm so yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, a month later, he was arrested on larceny and assault and battery charges against Eric, but they were dropped. Everybody drops a charge. I know. A couple months later, on October 17th, 2009, Morgan Harrington, a 20-year-old Virginia Tech student, disappeared. Several months later, as you know, her remains were found in a hayfield. But... Still not ready to talk about her. Also that same year, he was arrested on misdemeanor trespassing charges. So. So this guy. A lot of crimes going on. Yeah. Of trouble. Yeah, we have two accused rapes, a larceny, an assault, trespassing, and then we have Hannah and Morgan. We haven't talked about yet. So. After LJ was identified as the man in the surveillance footage with Hannah, police wanted to find him. It's worth mentioning, though, that the woman who called the tip line and said she saw LJ and Hannah together did end up identifying another man in the photo lineup. But co-workers of LJ's were able to identify him in those videos and also confirmed that he drove an orange car. 
Okay. His description. Pretty solid. Yeah. So that one girl said it wasn't him, but she didn't really know him. But people who knew him were like, that's. Also, she probably was drinking too. Yeah. Eyewitness testimonies are kind of hard. Yeah. The description his coworker gave of LJ's car matched other witness descriptions from that night. So at 4.41 in the morning on September 19th, so not quite a week after Hannah disappeared, police arrived at LJ's apartment with the search warrant for his car. They announced their arrival and asked him, quote, have you heard about the missing girl? We've been asked to investigate, end quote. And LJ replied that, yeah, he had heard. They told him that they had a video of him and Hannah talking at a restaurant and that they wanted him to help them, quote, figure out what happened down there, where she may have gone. But LJ told him that he was really drunk and didn't remember. He remembered being in the downtown mall area, but didn't remember anything about Hannah. But he handed the police his car keys, and they said, did she leave with you? Was she in the car? He just replied, um... So the police sergeant said, we're going to find out that, and I'd rather hear from you. After she left with you, where did she end up? So LJ's like, what are you talking about? Should I talk to a lawyer? The police told him that he wasn't under arrest and could talk with them if he wanted to. He decided not to and said, I think I'll just go inside my house then. So I feel um, like they were on to him early, though, so that's good. Yeah, a week is early. I mean, also, if you've had a lot of brushes with the law, you know probably to lawyer up. Yeah. I wouldn't talk. See, I always feel like if no. I'm not guilty, I'm probably going to want to talk to you to like let you know I'm not guilty. But I know I shouldn't do that because it will be used against you. I know. It's a very hard thing, and I'm very paranoid. So I just, like, just don't talk to me. I can't talk. But uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm like, I think we talked about in another episode how I'm always like, this is your constitutional right. But then when people don't do it on TV, I'm like, what are you what? hiding? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I probably yeah. just wouldn't take a polygraph, but I'd do everything else. Yeah. I probably would, yeah. And say good luck. <laughs> To yourself? <laughs> to the <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Good luck with your investigation. Yeah. So while that conversation was happening, a police canine picked up on Hannah's scent on the passenger door <gasps> of LJ's car, on the pavement underneath his car, at a nearby dumpster, and on the front door of his apartment. <gasps> with this new information, police got a search warrant for the apartment now, where they recovered his cell phone, hair samples, toothbrushes, clothes, and other items that would eventually be a DNA link that they needed, but for more than just Hannah. Oh my goodness, Megan, the story's crazy. Another search warrant recovered clothing similar to what LJ was seen wearing on the night Hannah vanished, as well as a white towel with a red and brown stain on it, like reddish brown. And I was, Austin makes fun of the way I say towel. So every time I say it, I feel like I'm like... It's totally normal. Okay, I thought so too, thank you. I hope he listens to this and he knows that I'm not crazy. (laughs) The day after police visited LJ's apartment, he went to the Charlottesville police station with some relatives. He spoke to the detectives briefly, but then asked for a lawyer. When he left the police station, though, he did so at such a dangerous rate of speed, like whatever it was, it was enough for them to charge him with reckless driving and a warrant being issued for his arrest. What? Like he just like peeled out of the police station. That's a weird thing to do. So, while like a right weird a twist, but okay. Yeah, he just. Clearly not thinking. Either that or the police were just like, we want to hold him for a while. I think that's what it was. So they were like, they need an excuse to go after him. So they had been working nonstop on Hannah's case and gathered enough evidence to charge LJ Matthew with abduction with intent to defile, which (gasps) means kidnapping with the motive of sexual assault. Yeah. Abduction with the intent to defile, which is kidnapping with sexual assault or motive of sexual assault. But when they went to go arrest him, LJ had vanished. What? I know, right? This is like the 2020 plot. You didn't see that one coming. (laughs) Yeah. 
So a nationwide manhunt would begin for nearly like two weeks. How have I never heard about I this? I know. So I think it was like two, yeah, it was like two weeks. So it was a while he like took off. So they're looking for him. And he ends up being found more than 1,300 miles away in Texas. Of course. Are of you course. surprised at yeah, all? No. So this woman named Karen, her name is actually Karen. It's not just Karen <laughs> for the, like the, the Karen thing that's going on. But so this woman named Karen took her dog to the beach to just like enjoy some like peaceful time outside together. So this is the Galveston area. And she's sitting on the tailgate of her SUV when this man pulls up in a blue Nissan Sentra. He stopped and stared at her. She said, quote, I wouldn't have paid any attention to him except that he did stop abruptly and did a double take and looked at me. He looked at me like he recognized me or thought I was somebody he knew. It was just a weird look, end quote. So Karen said at first she didn't really think much of it, but he drives by her again later, and that triggered her memory of something she saw on the news. Karen said she called Crime Stoppers, but they didn't really take her seriously. So she called the Galveston County Sheriff's Office non-emergency number to report that a man resembling the photographs of the fugitive from Virginia was at the beach. And she waited on site for a deputy to arrive. She told him where she saw the man and where he could find them, that he was camped maybe like 100 yards down the beach in a blue tent. A direct quote from her says blue tent, but a lot of news reports said black or green dome tent. But either way, he was camping out on the beach in a tent. Karen left, but the deputy went to find LJ, and he did. At first, he didn't want to identify himself, though, but they were able to determine it was him from the plates on the car he was driving. Karen didn't know what was happening, though, and she started to doubt herself if it was really him that she saw, and, like, why would this guy from Virginia be in Galveston at the beach? But later that night, she saw the breaking news alert on TV that he had been arrested. You did it, Karen. 1,300, like, I don't know if I'd believe my own eyes, but I was like, isn't that the guy, you know? Yeah, and I don't know. I guess I, I watch a lot of crime things, yeah. but I'm just like, people have similar faces. Yeah, that's and true. They change their and 1,300 miles, like, why would you think he'd be by you, you know? Exactly. So he was later extradited back to Virginia to face kidnapping with intent to defile charges because at this time, Hannah's body has not been found. So, police asked people in the area, especially those with large plots of land, to do personal searches of their property to see if maybe they could find something that might help the police or point their search in a new direction. Well, on October 18th, so like a month after she went missing, her body was discovered in a dry creek bed behind an abandoned property just south of Charlottesville by a sheriff's deputy. The location was described as being rural, 2.5 acre, heavily wooded property, about 11 and a half miles from the downtown mall area where Hannah and LJ were seen. The body was not buried. The remains were then sent to a medical examiner who identified them as being Hannah Grahams. But on October 5th, so like two weeks earlier, this guy who lived in the area reported seeing a lot of buzzards behind that home. He even called the tip line to tell them about it. He said he knew that that property was not currently lived in, so he didn't think it had been searched yet. Wow, people are being really helpful for yeah. this investigation. On October 6th, that same guy drove by the house again, but this time he stopped to get out. The buzzards were gone, but he only walked the property briefly because he said he felt weird like he was trespassing, mm-hmm. so he just got in his car and left. And then almost two weeks later, Hannah's skeletal remains were found behind that house. 
there had been a lot of organized search efforts for Hannah in the weeks after she went missing. A lot of search party members were volunteers. One of the people volunteering was the father of a young woman named Morgan Harrington, who went missing in the same city in 2009. And as I told you earlier, she was found dead several months later in a hayfield. Her father told NBC News that he was volunteering to help find Hannah because he remembers what it was like when Morgan was missing. Morgan had attended a Metallica concert in the sports arena at the University of Virginia just before she vanished. I went, I read one report that said she left and she wasn't able to get back in the concert and like the people she was with were in there so she was just alone outside. So police had no real leads on her killer, but they did have DNA. They collected DNA from LJ because of Hannah's disappearance and using that, they were able to link him to the abduction and murder of Morgan Harrington years earlier. Wow. Not only did the DNA collected in Hannah's investigation link LJ to Morgan's murder, but it also linked him to an unsolved rape from 2005 <gasps> in Fairfax, Virginia. You did say two, and in my brain I just... Morgan and Hannah, aside. too, but nope. Wow. So there's three, I guess. On September 24th, 2005, a 26-year-old woman was walking home from the grocery store around 10 p.m. when a man approached her from behind. He carried her to a wooded area where he sexually assaulted her, but she survived when a passerby startled her attacker and he ended up fleeing. But she fought him. like She really struggled with him and was able to scratch him and collect skin cells and blood. The skin cells and blood were able to give them enough evidence to link him to that, him to that one, too. So just eight years before. This is a, before. Like a really dangerous pattern that could have been nipped in the butt at some like point. The two rapes in college, allegedly, yeah. that weren't prosecuted. And then an assault on that lawyer, a trespassing charge, a rape charge, and then two other murders. And even after he was eyeballing that poor lady at the Galveston Beach. Yeah. He so. wasn't going to stop. Virginia's Department of Forensic Science compared LJ's DNA to the DNA sample from the rape and concluded that there is a, quote, one in greater than 7.2 billion chance that the DNA might belong to another person, end quote, which essentially eliminates the whole world population. So he was definitely their guy. In September of 2015, so a decade after that rape, he entered an Alford plea on charges of attempted capital murder, abduction, and sexual assault in that case. The victim even flew in from India to testify against him in court. So if you're not familiar with what an Alford plea is, it's not a guilty plea. It means that the accused is acknowledging that the state has enough evidence to convict them, like agreeing that they would likely be convicted, so they're just not going to fight it, basically. Right. I used to get really mad at those those pleas because I felt like you at least should have to admit that you did it. Yeah. Or whatever. But jail's jail. Yeah. Hannah's family wants to change how DNA is collected for crimes. You see, LJ was arrested in 2010 on a trespassing charge, but it wasn't the kind of charge that warranted DNA collection. If it had been, they would have been able to link him to that 2005 Fairfax rape much earlier, and also to Morgan Harrington's murder from 2009. So he would have been in jail already, instead of free to abduct and kill Hannah Graham in 2013. Yeah, but he was only accused and never went anywhere, so they probably didn't collect DNA. If that was the case, they would have caught him so much earlier. It's a real sad story. On September 30th, 2015, so more than two years after Hannah died, 
L.J. Matthew, who had just been convicted of rape earlier that month, pleaded guilty to murdering both Hannah Graham and Morgan Harrington. His plea was to avoid the death penalty, but to spend the rest of his life in prison. He was sentenced to four consecutive life terms when he pleaded guilty to two counts of first-degree murder and two counts of abduction with the intent to defile. For the rape conviction, he was sentenced to three life terms. The state was happy with the plea for a few reasons, one being that it protected Morgan and Hannah's families from long, painful, highly publicized trials. LJ was originally sent to a supermax facility that houses some of Virginia's worst criminals, but in May of 2019, after being diagnosed with cancer, he was transferred to another facility to receive treatment. As part of his plea deal, he will never be eligible for parole or geriatric release. This is normally where I would tell you who you should call if you have information about this case, but luckily Hannah and Morgan's murders have been solved. But they were just two of the five women who went missing in or near Charlottesville in a five-year time period. The other women are 19-year-old Samantha Ann Clark, 19-year-old Sage Smith, and 17-year-old Alexis Murphy. Samantha went missing after leaving her home in September of 2010, Sage went missing in November of 2012, and Alexis Murphy was last seen in Lynchburg, Virginia in August of 2013, but her car was found in Charlottesville. So Alexis isn't related to them because a man named Randy Taylor was convicted of her abduction and murder, although her body's never been found. Police don't think LJ was related to that case, but they think he might be connected to the other two. Morgan, Hannah, and Sage's last known whereabouts are all really close together. Samantha's is a little further, but not much. If you listen to the Crime Junkie podcast, you might remember Sage's story from one of their 2018 episodes. If you have any information about the disappearance of Sage Smith, please contact the Charlottesville Police Department at 434-970-3280. If you have any information about the disappearance of Samantha Ann Clark, please contact the Orange County Virginia Sheriff's Office at 540-672-1200. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions, or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sidelinesleuths. And if you haven't already had the chance, Please rate and review the show on iTunes, Facebook, or any streaming platforms available.